A federal judge has just thrown a major wrench in the Democrats' plans to prosecute Donald Trump and rig the 2024 election by arresting the incumbent's chief political rival. Judge Aileen Cannon has suspended the DOJ's investigation into Trump until a court-appointed official can review the documents that Biden's goons seized during a raid on Trump's home. This is a major problem for Democrats because the Democrats were counting on speed to get their way here because the raid itself was an outrageous abuse of power and probably illegal, and because Trump didn't commit any crime in possessing the documents and actually could not have committed any crime in possessing the documents, and because whatever they accused Trump of having done, we know for a fact Hillary Clinton did it all with much less of a right to do it, all of which has Hillary on the defensive. Quote, I can't believe we're still talking about this, but my emails, she tweeted. As Trump's problems continue to mount, the right is trying to make this about me again. There's even a Clinton standard. The fact is that I had zero emails that were classified. Now, the only problem with Hillary's statement here is that it is completely incorrect, as even FBI Director James Comey, a man who certainly is not fond of Donald Trump and has made that perfectly clear, James Comey admitted at the time. From the group of 30,000 emails returned to the State Department in 2014, 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. Eight of those chains contained information that was top secret at the time they were sent. 36 of those chains contained secret information at the time. And eight contained confidential information at the time. That's the lowest level of classification. In other words, Hillary stored lots of classified documents than Trump in a much less secure location than Trump without any of the right to do it as Trump, since unlike Trump, Hillary was never the president of the United States and therefore never had ultimate authority to declassify information. Now she's telling bold-faced lies about all of it, which is nothing new. On every single issue, from classified information to election denial to insurrection, whatever the Democrats are accusing Republicans of doing, the Democrats themselves have been doing for years. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from friendly neighborhood Snyder Man, who says the members block interview is worth the price of membership all by itself. Probably the best interview I've seen on The Daily Wire. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. For those who missed it yesterday because you did not subscribe to Daily Wire Plus to get the extra member block. Uh, we spoke to, I agree, I think this was the most important and exciting interview I have ever done, period. We spoke with the man who just broke the Guinness World Record for miles paddled on a river in a boat made of a giant pumpkin. And I truly, if you have not joined yet, this absolutely should push you over the edge. It was a magnificent interview, okay? You got to do it. We do things on the member block that you're not really allowed to get away with over here on the public social media where all the censors are in there trying to stop us from speaking, okay? We've got to be able to protect ourselves. When I want to protect myself, you know what I check out? I check out Ring. 
Summer and fall are very, very busy times. People are away from home quite a lot. Oh my gosh, I've been traveling everywhere and my travel schedule is about to kick up. I'll be gone eight days a week, I think. Well, how can I feel safe with Ring? Of course with Ring. You know about Ring. Ring has that wonderful video doorbell where you can see and speak to whoever is at your doorstep, no matter whether you're in the house, out of the house, at the office, on the beach, on the other side of the world, doesn't matter. Well, Ring also has an award-winning alarm system. The Ring Alarm takes security up to the next level. And then when you want to go even one level further, you can get Ring Alarm Pro. You can be like me. You can go pro. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security. So you're tracking not just your physical home and the doors and the windows and everything in between, but your digital home too. So all the data there, you're protecting your home with a a really secure Wi-Fi router, Do it right now, okay? This season, go pro with Ring Alarm Pro. Learn more at ring.com slash Knowles. That's ring.com slash Knowles. The Hillary Standard. The Hillary Standard is what is uh, being described. It's it's just a a term to describe the two-tier justice system. Probably best exemplified by the Clintons and how the Clintons get away with I was going to say get away with murder, but maybe that's a little too real, you know? I don't, listen, Hillary, I don't have any information that could lead to the rest of Hillary Clinton. Please, I've got a family, please. Uh, but the Clintons get away with a whole lot of stuff that the Republicans never, ever would get away with. And even beyond the Clintons, the Democrats get away with a whole lot of stuff that the Republicans would never, ever get away with. And then the Democrats have the temerity to accuse Republicans of doing exactly the sort of thing that they have been doing for years. You saw this especially a couple of days ago with Jamie Raskin, Democrat member of Congress, who goes on CBS and he doubles down on the Biden line that the Republicans, they're they're no longer just the loyal opposition. The Republicans, they're no longer just bad for the country. They're downright fascists. Two of the hallmarks of a fascist political party are, one, they don't accept the results of uh, elections that don't go their way, and two, they embrace political violence. And I think that's why President Biden was right to sound the alarm this week about these continuing attacks on our constitutional order from the outside by Donald Trump and his movement. Two hallmarks of fascism. Again, I, I had the same reaction that I had when the White House press secretary used that word. I had the same reaction that I had when Biden used that word. None of these people, certainly including Jamie Raskin, have ever read or really even ever heard of the doctrine of fascism that was written by Mussolini and the philosopher Giovanni Gentile that describes what fascism is. None of these people have ever read the early fascist manifestos that came earlier. Uh, they, they don't know any of this stuff, okay? They're just, they're not using fascism to refer to an actual political movement, an Italian political movement that really flourished in the 20th century. They're, they're just using fascism to mean something I don't like, okay? There, there are plenty of political movements that push political violence and don't accept the results of elections, okay? The communists have done that. There have been liberals who have done that. There, the Dem- Democratic Party in the United States has certainly done that, okay? Hmm, who, who does that sound like? Not accepting the results of elections and peddling political violence. 
But does it maybe sound like the party that didn't accept the results of the 2000 election or the party that hasn't accepted the results of the 2016 election or the party that didn't accept the results of the 2018 Georgia gubernatorial election or on the political violence front, maybe the party that encouraged political violence for eight months led by BLM and Antifa, or maybe the party where the sitting vice president, the current vice president right now, bailed out the rioters in Minneapolis, or maybe the party that called for, for violent Democrats and libs to go out and harass Republicans in public and at their homes where their children sleep? Does it sound like them? Sure sounds like them to me. And thankfully, finally, finally, Peter Ducey, the, the one kind of conservative reporter in the White House press pool, asked the press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, about this because Corrine Jean-Pierre has referred to multiple elections that Republicans won as stolen. Just in trying to understand the new attention on the MAGA Republicans, you tweeted in 2016, oh, Trump stole an election. You I tweeted, was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, great. here we go. <laughs> you tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results yeah. is extreme now, yeah. why was so it So let's, let's be really clear. That that comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have How been, I have ridiculous? been, well, you're asking me, you're asking me a question. Yes. Let me answer it. And you said it was Wait, ridiculous. I was, I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the, what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at the time. Hold on. Before we get into the, this fake argument, the, the thing that sounds like an argument that she's trying to make, just listen to those words there at the end. She goes, Hold on, hold on. No, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. At the time, okay, what I was talking about was voting rights and what was happening. Voting rights. What does, I don't even know what the semantic value of that, of those phrases are. You said, Corinne Jean-Pierre, you said that the 2016 election was stolen and the 2018 election was stolen. So yeah, I guess that has to do with voting rights. If the, if the election is stolen, then that undermines voting rights. Sure. But you, all of that is in service of the claim that the election was stolen. But now you're saying that anyone who claims the election is stolen is a fascist and a threat to democracy. But you, not only your political party 20 years ago, you yourself have done that within the last four years. And her, her actual response to this, because you, you heard her try to just cut off Peter Ducey. Oh yeah, here we go. I knew you'd ask about this. Yeah, you knew he would ask about this because it shows your rank hypocrisy and how disingenuous you are in your argument about, about fascism and a threat to democracy. But she says, no, it's okay, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous because it's not fascism when I do it. That's what the Democrats are saying. Yeah, I, the thing that I'm accusing Republicans of doing, we have done and continued to do, but it's bad when they do it and it's good when we do it. That's what they mean. If the Republicans are any threat to democracy, which, which we're not, but if we were, the Democrats would be at least as much of a threat to democracy and actually much more of a threat of democracy because they have undermined and delegitimized more elections. If the Republicans are a threat to democracy because of the Republican political violence, the Democrats are much, much more of a threat to democracy because Democrats have engaged in much, much more, almost infinitely more political violence than the Republicans have. So what does this mean for democracy? It is a kind of threat to democracy in the sense that 
if, if neither side believes that the elections are fair or legitimate, then we do, then we do not have a functioning democracy. If you don't have faith that the will of the voters is being in some way, some, at least mostly accurately reflected in the polls, then you don't have a democracy. And the, the Democrats know that. They're just saying, okay, we're the only ones who are going to question it because we're going to remain in power. What they are saying effectively is, and, and Joe Biden said this almost word for word, if you vote for the other party in our two-party system, you're a threat to democracy. That means we don't have a two-party system anymore. That means that by our democracy, they mean a totalitarian one-party government. If you're, if you're not legitimately allowed to vote for the other party, then you don't have a two-party system and you don't have a democracy. They say democracy dies in darkness. Well, you're going to die too someday. That's why you need a will. Right now, go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles. You buy homeowner's insurance to protect your house. You buy auto insurance to protect your car. What measures have you taken to protect the future of your children? Do you have kid insurance? No, that's not what you get. You get a will. You've got to get a will. And I strongly recommend you get a will from Epic Will. A will gives you the power to decide who will raise your kids should something happen to you or your spouse. What happens with your stuff? What happens with all of your assets? Okay, Without one, the state decides what happens to everything, including your precious little children. If something were to happen to you tomorrow, how confident are you that your belongings will fall into the right hands? Have you determined where your finances will go? Who will take responsibility of raising your children or caring for your parents or your grandparents? A will may be your only opportunity to direct important family heirlooms, financial investments, and responsibilities to the proper people in your life. And it's incredibly easy and affordable with Epic Will. Only costs 119 bucks for a single person to create a will. When you use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, you will save 10%. Go to epicwill.com, use promo code Knowles, save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. That's epicwill.com, promo code Knowles. Big scare headline in the Huffington Post looking down at our neighbors to the south. Forget about our democracy for a second. We're looking at Brazilian democracy. Far-right Bolsonaro will test the limits of Brazilian democracy this week. Okay, because he's a far-right guy, and he undermines democracy because most of the people voted for him. So when most of the people of the Demos votes for the right-winger, that undermines democracy. Because democracy is when the liberals win, even if no one wants them to win. Brazil President Jair Bolsonaro has called for mass protests on September 7th, a month ahead of the election. He's desperately sought to undermine. (laughs) Okay, hold on. So he's he's a threat to democracy for what? For two reasons. Because he is right wing. So even when the people overwhelmingly support him, he's right wing. So that undermines democracy. And because he's calling for protests. But wait, wait, wait. I was told, I was reliably informed that protests are a great expression of democracy. That's the power to the people, isn't it? Can you think of a political party that has called for mass protests in the lead up to an election and that encouraged them, even while at the same time they were telling all of their political opponents to stay at home and not go out because that was a threat not only to democracy, but to public health. They, they, can you think of a political party that said, hey, you, my opponents, if you even go outside your door, you're a murderer. If you go to church, if you go to work, if you go do anything outside, you're a murderer, you're a threat to public health. But you, 
my political allies, we need you to take to the streets for eight months and not only protest, but burn down businesses, attack courthouses, riot, loot, rape, murder, all in the lead up to the election. Can you think of a political, because that's not what Bolsonaro is doing. He's just, he's just said on one day you should, you should go out and protest. Pretty modest stuff for a democracy. But I can think of another political party that encouraged eight months of protests in the lead up, but that it's okay when the Democrats do it because the Democrats have to win every time. In fact, the only legitimate elections are the elections that the Democrats win. And when the people vote for the Republicans, that's a threat to democracy. That's not legitimate because to have a democracy, we have to have a totalitarian one party rule. That's what they're saying. Speaking of those protesters, you, you know, BLM is a social movement. Yes, I'm sure some of the people who are involved, at least at the lower levels of BLM, actually believe the kind of party line. At the top levels of BLM, it has always been a grift. It has always been a con. It has always been a political, you scratch my back, I scratch your back kind of operation. And we saw this when Patrice Cullors, one of the co-founders of BLM, was caught embezzling millions of dollars and buying herself all sorts of nice mansions in California. That's when BLM rebranded from Black Lives Matter to buy large mansions. Uh, We saw this in all sorts of financial mismanagement. Even other members of the BLM organization were getting angry at the national BLM group for stealing the money. You saw the people around George Floyd, like George Floyd's roommates, for instance. They said, look, we never got a penny from BLM. They never even paid off George's bills. These are people who never met George Floyd who are just making millions of dollars from this. Well, now another BLM leader is being sued for stealing allegedly $10 million. This is a top leader in the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation accused in a lawsuit of uh, stealing $10 million through a scheme of fraud and misrepresentation. Uh, this lawsuit was filed by another BLM group BLM Grassroots, and uh, it accused Shalomia Bowers, which is one of the one of the national group's three members on the board of directors, of stealing the ten million bucks for personal use. Okay, so now what you have in this lawsuit is not you know what one group seeking justice and another just one bad apple you know kind of spoiling the whole group. No, you just have two. Pol- rich political operations fighting over money. This is like when a law firm breaks up and they all sue each other over money or any kind of company when they break up and they're all just trying to get as much money as they can. That's really what this is about. And that's what BLM has been about from from the very beginning. And that's what all of these liberal groups are largely about. How does it keep going? The libs in America believe such insane stuff that the vast majority of reasonable people do not believe. You know, they believe that boys can be girls. They believe that white people are evil. They believe that we should kill all the babies. They believe all sorts of it. They believe that we need completely open borders. They believe things that just, if you, um, obviously I think that's wrong just as an objective fact to believe those things. But if you look at polls, the vast majority of Americans do not agree with these radical liberal groups. So then how do they keep going? The way that they keep going is not because of the passion of the true believers. The way they keep going is because there are financial incentives for them to keep going. Because it's a massive power structure that the libs have constructed that works in tandem with its various components. The Democrat Party works in tandem with 
the liberal power centers in the bureaucracy, in the deep state. They work together with the militia down on the ground. The militia wing of the, of the Democratic Party of the liberal establishment is BLM, is Antifa. And so they go out there, they encourage these guys to go riot and burn things down. And they promise them, you're not going to get in trouble if you do it. And then they don't get in trouble. They get their charges dropped. They actually get paid to go do it. BLM made tens of millions, almost $100 million. Why? Because they burned the country down. That's why. Because they did the bidding of the liberal establishment. Because it created more chaos. It created more of an opportunity for the libs to take power. It raised all sorts of questions in the lead up to the 2020 election. It intimidated conservative voters. And on and on and on. The the libs have a huge, very well-oiled apparatus. It's so much bigger than the Democrat Party. I was thinking about this when I was uh, had the misfortune of watching a clip from The View the other day. The the liberal power apparatus is so robust. They even have their fake conservatives. I was listening to the, the new fake conservative on The View is this woman named Alyssa Griffin. As she was the one who was was just hired, and she's she was supposed to. She, I guess she worked for Donald Trump briefly, and she's you know going to give some balance to the network. Except that Alyssa Griffin is just a liberal. She's just a liberal who puts on a clown nose and pretends to be a conservative. Listen to the way that Alyssa Griffin talks about her fellow conservatives and and the most prominent conservative politician in the country. They will twist and he will twist everything around so that everything comes back to him. My, my only counterpoint is this. So I actually agreed with the substance of his speech about democracy. And, and there's polling from NBC, 57% of Americans think the threat to democracy is one of the most important things the nation's facing. I take a little bit of issue with him broadly applying the term semi-fascist to Republicans. Do I think Donald Trump's to a semi-fascist? To MAGA Republicans. To MAGA okay, Republicans. be specific. Okay, that's true. Right. I think Donald Trump is. I think the vast majority of his supporters are not. I think they are good people who want an economy that works for them, who saw more money in their paycheck under Donald Trump. And my fear is this. I think Biden wants to be a uniter, but I don't think that that speech was uniting. That's the, that's the conservative on this show. That's the, and look, no, no one watches this show. So I doubt anybody who watches or listens to my show or to the Daily Wire, or to Dan Bongino, or to The Blaze, or to Tucker Carlson, or you know any of the kind of conservatives. I doubt that anyone of those people, you people, listens or watches The View. But The View is on network TV, okay? The View still racks up pretty big numbers for people who just have the TV on in the background. You don't even need a cable subscription. And this is what they're hearing. This is the conservative point of view. Donald Trump is a fascist. Many of his supporters are fascists, but maybe most of them aren't fascists. That's it. And Joe Biden wants to be a uniter. He just fell a little short of the mark in the Biden Hall putsch speech in front of the dark, ominous red backdrop where he called half the country illegitimate and evil and a threat to democracy. You know, he just could have been a little bit more of a uniter. Really sad. This woman who no one had ever heard of before, and now only some people have heard of, uh, this was her best shot at money and celebrity. For sure, this was her best shot. And her, I even I realized I got her name wrong. Her name is Alyssa Farah Griffin. Though I think women don't get three names. Some, no. Three names is, it's too much. Okay. And it's usually the lib women who want to have three names like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Sometimes it's conservative women like, like Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. But no, I'm sorry. You only get two names. That's the way it goes. Christine Blasey Ford. I don't know. No, you get two. It's Christine Ford. It's Alyssa Griffin. Okay. So this was this woman's best shot at celebrity and money. And she took it. Okay, I hope it was worth it. I don't think it's worth it. 
I don't think it's worth it at all. But there's just so much pressure to be this woman. She worked for Trump briefly and she thought, okay, if I ever want to have a mainstream career, if I ever want to not be ostracized and deplatformed and kicked out of society, I've got to call, I've got to toe the one party line. I've got to call conservatives fascists. Maybe I can say not all of them are fascists, but I, I have to do that. It's why I can't get riled up when the, the anti-Trump conservatives, the squishy conservatives, when the people come out and say, no, well, Trump really, he's bad. He said some things he shouldn't have said. I can't get riled up. Trump, he upset norms and standards. Yeah, no, not even, he, he didn't do, he, Donald Trump on his absolute worst day, when he's indulging his absolute worst instincts, has not done one ten thousandth of the destructive sort of things that the Democrats have done. And so I'm sorry, I just, I just can't get riled up about it. He questioned the results of the election. Yeah, okay. he, didn't, he didn't question the results of the election one one hundred thousandth as much as the Democrats have in recent decades. And by the way, they rigged the election. <laughs> are, we, are we allowed to say that yet? Yeah, they rigged the thing. They changed all the rules before the election. So no, I'm sorry. I can't get riled up. I cannot be that woman. I can't be that woman on The View. I guess I'm going to stick on this show. I'm not going to get a job on The View. You shouldn't either. Do not be that woman. I cannot get riled up about all the excesses of the Republicans. And maybe, you know, maybe Trump shouldn't have said that. And that was kind of bad. And they should, well, listen, we just need a, I can't get that riled up. When I read a poll that one in four Democrat voters think that men can get pregnant, that's a real number. This is a survey conducted by WPA Intelligence, ran August 22nd, August 25th, found a full 22% of Democrats agree with the statement, some men can get pregnant. This percentage rose dramatically when the poll only included women. And uh, then when you narrowed in even further, a shocking 36%, more than one in three white college educated female Democrats agree with the statement, some men can get pregnant. You can't, you can't talk to me about Trump's tweets. Okay. You can't, you can't talk to me about how, well, you know, listen, he's, he's kind of divisive, you know, and he raised some questions about the 2020 election. And I don't know if I totally agree with his trade policy and it will just, it might be kind of hard to support him. You know, he's, he's so brash. The, the options for people to lead your country are that, that guy, the guy who's like kind of brash and maybe you don't agree with all of his trade policies or whatever. And yeah, he's, you know, he's kind of raised some questions about the way the liberals rule things. Or the people who believe that men can get pregnant. That's, that's not, if you, if you, when presented with those choices, if you don't know which one to vote for, you're not a serious person. Okay. Forget you're not a serious conservative. You're not a serious person. If you are seriously, forget about also the party that is, wants to kill the babies and the party that wants to flood the country with foreign nationals and the party that wants to destroy the economy. Forget all of that. The party that says one in four or one in three voters when you narrow in on the white college educated women say that men can get pregnant. I'm sorry. You're not, you're not a serious person if you, if you do that. And I say those are the choices because Donald Trump is 40 points up in the polls for 2024. He says that he is going to run for president 
He's, he's all but officially declared that. And he's all but officially said that he will run even if they throw him in prison. Okay, it seems like nothing is going to stop this guy from running. And so it just seems to me as a matter of political fact, he, he is the alternative. It's Trump or Biden or whoever follows Biden if Biden can't run. But there are other people who are suggesting that they would like to run for president, one of whom would be Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis running for governor in Florida. Just ran a political ad that is getting a ton of excellent reaction, not only from conservatives, but even some liberals are admitting this is a good ad. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Ron DeSantis. Today we deliver for the people of Florida yet again. We saved our jobs. And kept us going. They tried to shut us down, but you saved our business. Thousand-dollar bonuses. You had our backs and honored our service. You led by facts, not fear. And you let us decide. You let me go to school. You gave me a voice. You put us first. And didn't let them keep us apart. You let us learn. You let us compete. All of us. You protected our right to worship together in person. And you raised our pay. You protected our waters. And kept Florida beautiful. When they attacked you, you didn't cave. You stood strong for Florida. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. Gracias, Governor DeSantis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. It's a good ad. It's a good ad. It's almost like 5 to 10% too much. And I know one, the only slightly negative reaction I had when watching it was that the guy in front of the church who said, you let us keep worshiping in, in person. And it's, it's nothing about DeSantis. I just thought, oh my gosh, is this how far we've fallen as a country that we need to run ads saying, thank you. Thank you for letting me go to church. Is that, could you imagine the founding fathers rolling over in their graves that that's where we're at right now? The great conservative accomplishment is, hey, you let us still show up to church on Sundays without too much harassment. And and it is an accomplishment. It actually was a major accomplishment from Ron DeSantis because so many other people squished on it. But it's a good ad. Why is this ad so good? Because the ad is all about, well, it represents people from all walks of life, all in Florida, not in an officious kind of identity politics way, not in a, you know, I'm the black, I'm the black Latina lesbian. Well, I'm the, you know, uh, quadriplegic, uh, uh, Hispanic, transsexual, pansexual, and I'm the representative of this group. No, the groups that are being represented are our teachers, our first responders, our parents, our business owners. Are, right? It's 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 much much broader than just the kind of racial or sexual identity politics. But the real strength of the ad is the ad is all about hey, you did this. You did this, you did that, you did this, you did that. It's all actual accomplishments. I was up visiting my grandmother over the weekend, and she just had the TV on kind of in the background. We weren't we were really watching it, but it was just kind of on. And I don't have TV. I don't have cable. I don't watch the commercials that run on TV ordinarily. And so I see this ad, and it must have run, just in the day and a half I was there, it must have run two dozen times. And it was an ad about... The Democrats have passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which will lower costs, which will reduce the energy prices, which will save you money, which will restore our economy, which will, 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 will. Obviously, it won't do any of that. The Democrats, outside of political ads that are geared toward 
specific voting demographics. They don't even really call it the inflation law anymore. They call it the climate law because the Inflation Reduction Act, study after study showed, isn't actually going to lower inflation. It actually probably will increase inflation. What'll it do? Well, it'll protect the environment now, or it'll do all these other nonsense things. So the Democrats, all they have to run on is, hey, things will get better. They'll get better. Don't worry. Trust us. I know things got worse when we were ruling, but it's, they're going to get better. And Ron DeSantis can point to actual accomplishments and say, things did get better. I'm not telling you they're going to get better in some indefinite future. They did get better. I did things. That's a much more effective strategy moving into midterm elections. The Democrats are really struggling. The best candidate that the Democrats are running this cycle, the number one best candidate, he's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, and he's doing a pretty good job against Dr. Oz. The guy's name is John Fetterman, and he's running as a blue-collar, working-class Democrat, and it's a total bogus identity. The man's never worked an honest job in his life, and he got paid 50 grand a year in, in a an allowance from his parents to subsidize his lifestyle. He he isn't actually, you know, the guy that he presents himself to be. But even beyond that, John Fetterman's in terrible health. He had a stroke on the campaign trail. He's never answered questions about his health. He he refuses to debate Dr. Oz. He, he, He can barely get out a few minutes of speaking while he hits the various campaign stops. I'm honored to be standing in the shadow of your your amazing building. Do you think of the 10 homes Dr. Oz have has a union hall across their home? If you say you think the word of steel worker, what words come to your mind if you say steel workers? Of all the words that bring to your mind when you hear the word steel workers, does the word pretty tanny come to your mind? That's not a word that's going to come to my mind. Crudite is wrong with demanding for an easy, safe kind of their income. So this is very, very sad. I'm not, certainly not going to make fun of the man for talking like a stroke victim because he is a a stroke victim. And he doesn't want to acknowledge that on the campaign trail because right now he's the Democrat nominee. This is his shot to make it to the U.S. Senate. And so he obviously should be in some kind of rehabilitation facility working on getting his body back in motion and getting his speech back. But he can't do that because he's on the campaign trail. This is it. This is the election. And so they're going to prop him up for a couple of minutes at a time. And they're going to try to minimize the political damage of the fact that the man cannot speak. And then they're just going to try to use the the weight of the Democrat establishment to force him into Washington, D.C. And maybe then he will recover and maybe he won't recover. But it doesn't really matter because either way, even if the guy were in perfect health, he just would have been a rubber stamp for the Democrats. This guy is a radical, radical leftist. He said if he had a magic wand, the first thing he would do in politics would be to let all of the murderers out of prison. He said the, the, the not, he wouldn't cure childhood cancer. He wouldn't solve world hunger. No, no, no. The first thing he would do is let murderers out of prison. And so he, he was always going to be a, a rubber stamp for the, the establishment, an avatar for the establishment. And all he can talk about now is this kind of silly stuff about his identity. I live across the street from a union hall. I, we're going to support the unions. We're, I'm pro-worker. What have you done? What have you done? What is your record? 
Reminds me of Ronald Reagan when he was debating Jimmy Carter, running in 1980. And Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, peanut farmer from Georgia, talking about all these pie-in-the-sky, highfalutin sort of understandings about ourselves and who we are as Americans. And Ronald Reagan kills him with one line. He says, here's the question. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? That's all I'm going to ask. Well, he did it in a cool Reagan way. He was, well, are you better off now than you, <laughs> than you were four years ago? And the question cut like a hot knife through butter because people looked around. They said, no, I'm not better off. I'm not better off under Democrat rule. These Democrats who are fear-mongering and saying that the sky is going to fall if the Republicans take over, kind of feels like the sky is falling in on me now. And you look today, 40-year high inflation, you've got an economy that's in shambles, you've got the first major war in Europe in 70 years, caused in large part by Joe Biden, even according to the Ukrainian uh, President Vladimir Zelensky. You've got 3 million immigrants coming into this country every single year. This 2 million illegal immigrants pouring across the southern border. It's just, you are not better off now than you were some years ago. And if you say it, you're a threat to democracy, according to the libs. As you know, as you know, I consider myself uh, quite the sports connoisseur. You know, I, I uh, put my knowledge of, uh, you know, my, my, some total of my sports knowledge, which is the New York Yankees from the late 90s to the early 2000s. I put that to the test. I decided to join the Crane and Company uh, Football League. Okay, I've gone head to head against Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Andrew Clavin, John Bickley, and the Crane and Company guys for the first ever Daily Wire fantasy football draft. Now, there's a lot on the line here, okay? Because the winner gets like a nice gold tumbler. That'll be great. Okay, you want, but it's really, you don't want to lose because the loser, the loser has to attend a WNBA game courtside. Yes. The loser will have to, I'm not joking. This is real. The loser of the fantasy football league will have to go and sit courtside at a WNBA game wearing a t-shirt that says equal pay. (laughs) So the draft airs tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on Crane and Company's YouTube channel. Make sure to follow our league throughout the season and support Team Knowles, Team Nolstradamus, to win the whole thing. Speaking of workers' rights, not, not great news coming out of the Wall Street Journal. Turns out companies are cutting back on maternity leave and paternity leave. Many employers are dialing down how much paid time off they're giving to new moms and dads. And this is an issue that you're going to see a little bit of a split in the Republican Party and among the conservatives between the kind of conservatives who are reciting the the same old talking points of, I don't know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and that what's called the new right, the conservatives who are shaking things up a little bit. People like J.D. Vance, people like uh, Blake Masters in Arizona, people like Donald Trump, for that matter. P- uh, uh, certainly the side that I, I find myself on much more, which is, you know, I don't think we need to shill for corporations that hate us anymore. Republicans did that for a long time in the name of a free market or whatever, and it hasn't served us very well. No, I don't think corporations have the right to do whatever they want. I don't think that individuals have the right to do whatever they want, no matter how destructive. I don't think people have the right to shoot heroin. I don't think people have the right to chop their genitals off, okay? That maybe the, the conservative platitudes of 10 years ago think that, but I, the 
the, uh, what I think are the more serious conservatives today are saying, no, you don't really have a right to do that. You certainly don't have a right to trans your kids. You don't have a right to drag queen story hour. You don't have a right to any of that kind of nonsense. Okay. There is more to life than GDP and individual autonomy. And by the way, the more that this woke sickness infects our country by by exploiting the platitudes of the free marketplace of ideas and, uh, well, the private sector can do whatever it wants. The more that, that the wokeness virus just spreads by exploiting that weakness, the worse it's going to be for GDP, actually, and the worse it's going to be for the economy and, and every other facet of our society, okay? So we're saying, no, there are limits here. We're not going to do that sort of thing. And you're going to really see it come to a head with child care. Okay, childcare is insanely expensive. It is insanely expensive. And so a lot of people, certainly if you're a single mother, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? You have to have an income. You got to be able to feed your kid, but then you got to do something with your kid all day. And so you got to send your kid to childcare, but then the childcare is so expensive that you're going to have to end up paying much, if not most of your salary to some other woman to raise your kid while you go out and scrimp and get a little bit of money so you can feed your kid at night. And this is true even for married couples. How many married couples can support a family on a single income? Not very many. Not very, and that's a terrible thing. Blake Masters is running in Arizona. It's what really got me to be interested in his campaign, even back in the primaries. He ran an ad. He said, I think that in America, a major conservative cause should be that you support your family, that you can support your family on a single income. Absolutely. I think that would be great. And I think cynical corporations have used the language of wokeness and feminism and empowering women to to force women into the workforce, to keep them away from their kids and their families, and to drive down wages for everybody. I am a huge supporter of maternity leave. I think that if a woman wants it, she should have 18 years of maternity leave or more. Depends on how many kids you have. Okay, I think I'm with Betty Friedan the American feminist who argued against the French feminist Simone de Beauvoir and said women ought to be able to stay home and raise their families if they want to. But in America today, usually they can't. It's not, it's not about forcing women back into the home. A, a lot, if not most women, want to go back into the home and raise their kids and take care of their family, at least for some period of time in the kid's childhood. And they're not allowed to do that. But you used to be allowed to do that in the United States. It used to be possible to support your family on a single income. This is such an offensive headline to me. Companies are cutting back on maternity and paternity. What is paternity leave? They're they're cutting back on the leave. All the while, they are increasing subsidies for their employees to get abortions. Ever since the Dobbs decision, what have you heard? Companies are are willing to pay for out-of-state travel so that women can go access abortion-related health care. In other words, let me translate that into English companies are going to pay women to kill their kids. Why? Because it helps the bottom line of the companies. Because when the kids get born, it costs the companies more money because the women don't work as much and the women don't work as hard and they're going to take time off and they're going to take maternity leave. And that's going to, that's going to affect the bottom line. And when you think of it at a macro scale, it's going to affect the GDP. And so, you know, it's worth it. It's worth the cost. Let's just kill those kids. What kind of a heartless society, what kind of a soulless society does that? And what kind of spineless, feckless conservatives would ever defend such a regime in the name of the free market. The, the free market 
says that we that the companies need to be able to, to force everybody to the widget factory all day long so that the children can be raised at some clinical institution when they're allowed to survive in the first place and the, and the companies don't pay to kill them. What kind of a weak, pathetic, conservative movement would ever support that? No. What's the solution to this? The solution to this is not more of the free market. Okay. I'm, I'm sympathetic to the companies. I don't think the companies should necessarily have to pay for you know, uh, women or men, I guess now in paternity leave to take months and months of, of leave time off. No, I don't think that burden should fall on the companies. That's a political problem. It's a political problem that we now have a country and an economy where women are effectively forced to leave their kids to someone else and pay exorbitant prices and go work in the widget factory for Mr. Who, who cares what his name is. That I, I have to pay, I have to go send my wife to work for some man so that the man can pay me so that I can pay some other woman to raise my kids. That's a political problem. It's insanity. It's not the way things just are naturally. That's a kind of new development over the last 50 years and we should use our politics to change it, create incentives that allow women to stay at home and raise their families and that create incentives to not necessarily punish the companies for that and, and to stop companies from, from incentivizing women to kill their kids. We can do all of that through politics, okay? The people who say the government shouldn't do anything at all ever, let the corporations do whatever they want, they're going to hate that, but that's over, okay? If that's conservatism, then we're not going to conserve a damn thing. Speaking of companies cutting back, really sad story. The uh, Bed Bath & Beyond is closing lots and lots of stores, and the CFO, Gustavo Arnal, uh, jumped to his death from one of the more prominent buildings in Manhattan. It's called the Jenga building. It's a really hideous, hideous talk about a dystopian place to, to commit a heinous and disordered act. It, you know, it's this truly ugly building that's just, the, the point of it is to be ugly and disordered and not symmetrical or beautiful. Uh, but this guy jumped from the top of the building. Apartments in this building cost up to 50 million bucks. And uh, he, he jumped from it it seems not just because the company is failing financially, but it's uh, also because the CFO guy uh, was just accused in a federal lawsuit of a pump and dump scheme of artificially inflating the company's stock. And my first thought when I saw this story, obviously it's very sad for him, pray for his soul, pray for his family. It's so selfish, so selfish. Suicide is always selfish, but this is especially selfish. Is my first thought, and I haven't heard anyone talk about this, he could have killed somebody. He could have, the guy jumps off of a, a major prominent building in a really populous part of Manhattan Island, which is one of the most populated parts of America. He could have killed somebody doing that, but he didn't care, which makes sense because suicide is just a totally selfish act. So of course, you're only thinking about yourself when you commit suicide. Even if you convince yourself you're thinking about other people, you're not. You're, you're committing a very, very selfish act that you have no right to do. Now we're living in a culture that encourages it. We're living in a culture where assisted suicide is being legalized and, and encouraged throughout the country. In Canada, they're expanding assisted suicide to children. Really, really selfish stuff. Okay, and it's, it's being permitted by the conservatives. It's being peddled by the libs because the libs always invert morality. Whatever is good, they say is bad. Whatever is bad, they say is good. But it's, it's really being permitted by the conservatives because the conservatives are just throwing their hands in the air on morality. The, the libs invert it 
But the conservatives just look away. They say, well, I don't know. I don't know. They don't know nothing. The conservatives are know-nothings when it comes to questions of morality these days. Because they say, well, look, I have my own personal views, but I would never force my views on anyone else. Who's to say? I think suicide is bad, but maybe you think suicide is good. And so let anyone do whatever they want. So pathetic. No conservative worth his salt would have ever thought such a thing before 20 years ago. Now that's the sort of thing they say. It's okay. They're useless. Frankly, they're, more, they're, more, they're worse than the libs in some ways. At least the, the libs are engaging in a kind of moral dialogue. And the conservatives are saying, well, I just don't, I don't have any right to force my views on you. Yes, you do. That's democracy. <laughs> that's what democracy is, is you forcing your views on everyone else and everyone else forcing their views on you. And there are limits to that, you know, especially within our constitutional framework. There's certain points beyond which you cannot go. But yeah, you, if, you, if you refuse to articulate a moral view and force your views on coerce people. And all. If you refuse to do that, then, then you're just saying, okay, I'm not going to participate in our democracy, which is exactly what the libs want. That's what they're saying too. They're saying you have no right to participate in our democracy. Well, the crazy part is the conservatives are saying, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It's so squishy. It's so dumb. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's, it's become so incoherent that some people are, forget identifying boys as girls and girls as boys. Some people are identifying as frogs. The rest of the show is continuing now. You don't want to miss this. Okay, this is Woke Wednesday, baby. We're going to be analyzing a trend among obviously deluded people who they don't call, it's not just a boy who says I'm he, I'm she, or a girl that says she's he, or last week we covered people who are using God, God self pronouns who identify as God himself. Now, people identify as frog. And I, th- I thought it was just one kooky person and I wasn't going to cover it. No, there are multiple people. It's now a pattern. It's now a trend who identify as frog self. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. We'll see you over there.